Ayatollah of Fantasy Rock and Roll with us today, Adam Rank. How you doing, Rank? Um, you look great in person, and I uh, just can't wait to next year we, we can pack it full of 25,000. Hey, Bob, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. I didn't know it was Ball Guy's day. It was me and Rank. I mean, how do you look? This is the Dynasty Vipers. Vipercast. Hello and welcome to the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast. This is episode 117. And as always, we are presented by the Fantasy Points Media Group and joining me each and every week. Major Caldwell, the host with the most, is back in the house to help us guide you through this week in fantasy and to go behind the grind with a little bit someone special here in a second who really needs no introduction, but we are going to give an introduction because, hey, if you've got fantasy fever, if you've got rookie fever, you are in luck because the doc is making house calls this week here in the Viper Pit. Dr. Roto himself, how are you doing, doc? I'm doing great. I mean, the season just ended. And we're talking fantasy football again. I love yeah. it. I can't stop. It, it, I mean, you've got things going there over at drrodo.com. I mean, baseball, football, soccer, hockey. I, I think there's midget wrestling in there. Maybe some uh, fat guy hacky sack. You've got everything on that on that website right now, right? We do. The fat guy hacky sack is very popular, as you would imagine. <laughs> so uh, plus, uh, you know, uh, Sri Lankan cricket. So we, we cover everything on the site to make, uh, you know, whatever you need. We're there for you. The one-stop shop for all your fantasy needs, not just pertaining to fantasy football, although you have some pretty good fantasy football information there as well. We do. Look, we pride ourselves on that. It's, you know, as I like to say, it's it's Coke, right? In the industry, everything else is Pepsi and ginger ale and Sprite. You know, fantasy football drives the bus. It's what we talk about on SiriusXM all the time. It is what people want to hear about. They want to hear about it literally every day. And today, We've just caught one of the great days of football. I mean, considering the Russell Wilson trade, Aaron Rodgers signing, and uh, all these things that are out there. So we're going to touch on all those here in just a second. But, hey, we just finished the combine. People have that rookie fever. This is the time to capitalize on those league mates that may be hyped a little too much. But I want to kind of talk to you about two or three guys at each position there, fantasy relevant. Yeah, I know I love myself some IDP, but we're going to keep that to a separate <laughs> show for a little bit later on down the road qbs tight ends running backs and wide receivers who are two or three quarterbacks that made some noise to you that caught your eye this weekend yeah you know what i would think that one of the reasons that seattle was open to trading russell wilson which i don't think they really wanted to do but there were some guys there like malik willis from liberty i mean this guy's got a cannon for an arm i mean this is unlike anything we've seen in a long time plus he can run would that shock you if they thought they could get him at nine Maybe they even make a trade with the Giants and move up to five to get him if they really like him. So I think I've got my eye on him. I've got my eye on Kenny Pickett and his small hands because I don't really care about small hands. I care about accurate passers. And I watched that guy play at Pitt last year, and he looked like he could play in the NFL. So I remember when they, people didn't like Dave Krieg either because he had small hands, and he worked out to be a decent enough quarterback too. 
Well, I love the, the Kenny Pickett small hands thing because we can make fun of him with having the small hands. But hey, if you're a wide receiver, that ball probably looks bigger coming out of that hand, right? There's more <laughs> ball to see. So maybe it's an advantage moving forward. I, I don't know. What about the running back position? You know, the running backs, I've been on Brees Hall for a couple of years now. I watched this kid play at Iowa State. This guy is a Sunday player all day, every day. There's there He could be an impact player in his first year in the right system. I feel the same way about uh, Walker from Michigan State. I mean, this guy is a really top-notch player. Looked great in the Big Ten most weeks. Not every week, but for the most part, he looked like a guy who could has a burst, has juice, can get to, uh, around the edge. Uh, can run between the tackles. So I think these two guys stand head and shoulders above the rest. I mean, I know Spiller was injured. I did like him, but we'll have to see how he looks at his pro day. And speaking of uh, pro days, I know there's a lot of people waiting to see these wide receivers go at it again at their pro days. They put on quite the show here at this combine. I know we didn't see our Drake London as much as we might want to and stuff like that, some of these other guys, but who were some wide receivers that really caught your eye? Yeah, I'll give you one guy you know and one guy maybe you don't. Chris Olave, you know, right? He's fast. He's good. He's going to be a first-round pick. He's going to be a star in this league. That's just fact. But maybe you don't know Calvin Austin III from Memphis. Memphis has a really great program. Think about the guys who've come out there and how successful they've been. I mean, Kenneth Gainwell, Daryl Henderson, all these guys, very good. Antonio Gibson, really good players. And I think Austin is a terrific slot receiver, who's got great running ability after the catch. Watch him surprise a lot of people this season. I don't think it surprised anybody to see six of these wide receivers go in the first round. That's how deep this position is. They may not have that top-end talent, that Jamar Chase kind of guy, that Justin Jefferson that we're used to in the last few drafts, but I think consistently through up and down this wide receiver class. I mean, Kelvin Austin mentioned him. He's going probably right now early on, Wide receiver 13-ish, give or take, depending on your fantasy drafts. Definitely an impact type player. Now, what about the tight ends? Is there anyone that kind of caught your eyes? Because you know what? I love me a good, solid tight end. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, Trey McBride is a star, right? This is this guy is going to play. I mean, he's not Kyle Pitts, but he's certainly a guy who can play year one. I also like this kid, Charlie Kohler from uh, Iowa State. That's my he's favorite not going to get a lot of attention, but he's just really good blocker, good receiver, does everything well enough. The problem is with tight ends, if you, they're like catchers in baseball. It takes them more time to be ready. So a Kolar might, first year, I see him maybe getting 20, 30 catches, but I think by year three, he could be at 50. So he's a guy in a dynasty league. I'll have my eye on So what you're saying is Kelvin really is probably not betting on these tight ends to start performing right off the get-go, hey? Yeah, come on. I mean, feel so badly. So first of all, I have compassion, right? You know, my there wife is, a, is, is, a, is another Dr. Roto, right? She's a psychologist. So I'm all about mental health and about people getting right. But, you know, when you start betting on the sport, I don't care if it's FanDuel. I don't care what it is. I, I just, I mean, it's a problem. You're crossing a line. Now, look, dude, if you really want to do it, get your friend to open up an account and give him some money and bet through him. Okay. You're Calvin Ridley. It's going to come out. So where do we go from here? I don't know. But I know Roger Goodell threw the book at him, basically said, look, he made an example of Calvin Ridley. I'm not happy about it. I've got Ridley on a dynasty team, but it's just fact. And I don't see any way around this happening. He's going to miss the year. Uh, I think a lot of people are more upset with some of the things that we've seen that are maybe more serious, that have had a little bit less discipline involved in there. I think that's kind of where people are drawing a little bit of concern there. We've heard about the things going on in Miami. Nothing seems to be getting done with that. They're investigating. And you got Calvin really. Hopefully he didn't have the overprop for Kyle Pitts touchdowns this year. So, I mean, that, that that's probably where 
he may have lost a little bit of money there as well. But you know what? I'm not going to kick a guy while he's down. I'm going to save that for my Monday musings. But we're going to keep on this show rolling, keep on the football talk going. And it is tagging season. We've seen all kinds of players get franchised here today. I mean, look at this. The quarterback position was at 29.7. Didn't see any quarterbacks get tagged at that price. Primarily the wide receivers, 18.4 million was that tag that they got. We've seen a couple there. Chris Godwin, he got the tag. Um, Devontae Adams, he got that tag. But maybe more so than anything, and I want your thoughts on this, is the tight end tag that's going around. We had David Nojoku get tagged. Mike Gusecki, he got tagged. Dalton Schultz, he got tagged. Last year, we seen Jonah Smith over $12.5 million to the Patriots. The tag on the tight end was 10.9. Good move or bad move to tag these tight ends? Well, I think it's both. So, Jacecki, the Dolphins need him, right? I mean, he's a big target, really good in the red zone. Uh, I think there's still more upside in his game. I mean, he's a little inconsistent, but when he's good, he's one of the better guys in the league. I think Dalton Schultz has been a revelation for the Cowboys. I mean, Dak Prescott looks to him a lot. I mean, this is a kind of guy that can get five or six receptions a game. And if you're not going to re-sign Amari Cooper, which it doesn't look like that's going to happen, you're going to need Schultz. Now, David Njoku doesn't make much sense to me, right? You've got Austin Hooper. You've got Harrison Bryant. Do you really need Njoku? I get that he's athletic. I get that he's a big target, but that seems a little wasteful to me. But the other two guys, really good, solid players who are coachable and talented. Speaking of talent, I didn't think we'd see the day. I mean, Russell Wilson, gone, heading to Denver. I mean, this would not have happened back in my AFC days when you had Seattle and Denver in the same division, way back when, when they were playing in the kingdom there. But Russell Wilson and a fourth-round pick heading to Denver for two firsts, one being that number one, that ninth overall pick. We Remember, Den- Denver, um, sorry, pardon me, Seattle had lost their first-round pick for this season in that Jamal Adams trade, so they got that first-round pick. We've kind of made that comparison that Malik Willis is a possible destination there for the Seahawks. So two first, two seconds. Again, this year and next year, those seconds are spread out. So Denver does have two uh, picks here, but they're only sending one this year in the second round. Drew Locke, Noah Fant, and Shelby Harris going in return. Is this enough for you to justify Seattle moving Russell Wilson? Yeah, I think it's enough. I do. I think it's enough. I think it's a really good deal. And I'm, look, I think Seattle made a mistake in one way. I would have gotten rid of Pete Carroll and not Russell Wilson. <laughs> I think Pete Carroll's days are done. I do. And, and I, have, I have respect for Pete Carroll. I'm not knocking Pete Carroll, but I think, look, you've got Russell Wilson, you've got Tyler Lockett, you've got DK Metcalf, and you say that you want to be a running team. I must have missed something there when you got two of the top receivers in football mm-hmm. and you've got a... a, a a quarterback who wants to throw the football. So you're restricting him in such a way that I think it's like sucking the fun out of that team. And when, when a guy gets that way, something's got to give. So you either have to get rid of the coach or you get rid of the player. And obviously they kept Carroll and got rid of the player. So in terms of what they got back, look, Drew Locke is a gap filler. We know that it's he's the Jared Goff of this year. Maybe it's one year, maybe it's more. Shelby Harris can play. He's not great, but he's about 31 years old. He can play. He's a solid lineman, really good against the run, decent enough against the pass. He will play. Noah Fant, I mean, better than Gerald Everett on Gerald Everett's best day. So you got an upgrade there. And now you got a boatload of picks where you can improve your team, which needs improvement. I mean, let's be honest. Is Seattle a good team right now? Are they a playoff team? No. The problem is, fantasy-wise, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, Man, Tyler Lockett, I feel like he's probably on his way out. 
And DK Metcalf is like the last guy standing there. I can't imagine he's going to be happy in any way, shape, or form. So that's the one I'm watching closely right now. I can't imagine drafting uh, Metcalf at this point. I uh, like you mentioned Lockett there. There are rumblings that he is on his way up, but assuming that he stays, uh, what pair of wide receivers would you rather have, Lockett and Metcalf or Sutton and Judy moving into 2022 if you were Russell Wilson? Well, if I'm Russell Wilson, I want Metcalf and Lockett, but I want an offensive coordinator. and I want a coach who allows me to do what I need to do. Nathaniel Hackett will tailor his offense to Russell Wilson's skill set. Cortland Sutton is a baller. Albert O is good. Javante Williams is really good. Jerry Judy, uh, Tim, uh, let's not forget Tim Patrick, who could probably start a lot of teams. Yep. KJ Hamler, who's going to be coming back healthy. So, I mean, this Broncos team is good. It's deep. They need to improve their defense a little bit. But I, I like what's going on here. The only problem I have if I'm Russell Wilson is I'm in a division with Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes. Good luck with that. And Derek Carr. Just to throw that <laughs> out who, has, who has more MVP votes career than Russell Wilson? Just want to throw that out there real quick, Major. You know, I'm gonna, I got to back my boy Derek Carr because I've seen the memes. I've seen the three mean dragons and then the fourth goofy dragon being Derek <laughs> Carr. I've seen that meme. <laughs> if you look at the numbers that these guys are putting up, yards per attempt and all this other stuff, Derek Carr is right with them. This is a very good division of quarterbacks. There's no easy games in that AFC West. No easy games. It's going to be fun for the casual football fan to sit back and watch these games. Now, one last thing. I had to leave this for the last bit of news because you know he doesn't want to be upstage. The pack is back, and that's Aaron Rodgers coming back to Green Bay. Maybe, kind of. I don't know. There's $200 million on the table, allegedly. Good move or bad move. I mean, 200 bucks is a or $200 million is a lot of money to sink into one position there. So, look, on my XM show that I'm on 9 to 11 a.m. on Saturday and Sunday morning, I said the following, Aaron Rodgers right now is playing for his legacy. So if you think about it, you stay in the NFC. Why? Who's the other good quarterback in the NFC right now? Matthew Stafford. Outside of those two guys, is there anybody else that you look at and say, this is a Super Bowl winning quarterback? Meanwhile, the AFC, uh, Mahomes and Herbert and Allen and Burrow and Lamar Jackson and, you know, all at Russell Wilson now. All these guys are there. So the AFC is pretty tough right now. So the way I look, it's like the Western Conference in the NBA used to be. So if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I've got a legacy. I've got Devontae Adams. I've got a, basically a, a general manager that'll do whatever I tell him to do. He's got all the cards. I think he's in the right spot. Well, we just mentioned what Russell Wilson's coming into that AFC West. A lot of connections were made to Denver and Aaron Rodgers. I don't think Aaron Rodgers would have been okay being the third or fourth best quarterback in a division. Let's be honest. And I don't think he would have been able to handle that, but Hey, enough of this football talk just around the corner here, right after the commercial break, hint, hint, there's not really a commercial break. We are going to go behind the grind with the doc and see what kind of prescriptions he's got in his medicine cabinet. So stay tuned. We'll be right back in about 30 seconds or less. And we are back. Welcome back to the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast, episode 117, presented by the Fantasy Points Media Group. And now we are going to go behind the grind with the Doc himself. There's some good Docs out there. Doc Emmerich, Doc Holiday, and Doc Roto in the house. So, Doc Roto, how are you doing? You ready for this? You ready to go behind the grind? Let's do it. I'm ready. <laughs> All right. So some people may look at me and consider me kind of intense when I'm talking here right now. 
But hey, I love to get hyped before the show. I have my my kind of thing I like to do, my my pre-pod poo and some turn on some tunes. That's what I'm about. That's how I get ready for the show. Now, if you were coming out to close the ninth inning here in a baseball game, if you were coming to the ring for a WWE contest, the doc is in the house. What music is getting queued up to bring you down? Uh, <laughs> I'm either, I'm look, I'm going to admit I'm old, but I love me some Rocky. So my song is going to fly now, right? That's, that's my song, right? That I don't want to say that's my jam because I'm not going to sing it for you. But that <laughs> song, when I hear that, I get pumped up. I'm ready to go. I feel like I'm ready to take on Apollo Creed. That's usually the follow-up question is to sing a few songs. I mean, <laughs> you know, you go through those Rocky soundtracks, little the Eye of the Tiger, dun, 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 and you're, you're ready to go. It's ready. You're hungry. You want at it. Let's go. Major, what do you got next? Oh, yeah, yeah, man. You are, you have some coffee today. I like it. Um, but we all know sports is important growing up. Uh, did you play any sports? Uh, who are your favorite teams? Who are some of your favorite players? Yeah, great question. So I played a lot of tennis growing up. I played basketball growing up. I played volleyball in college. Um, so I, I coached volleyball for years afterwards. Uh, my son's a tennis player. So we're, we're, we're big uh, sport family. Um, in terms of, look, I was an only child. And so to me, when my parents weren't home, the TV was. And so I'd watch everything from, you know, uh, random TV shows, you know, Dukes of Hazard, Love Boat, all those dumb shows to watching sports, watching football, watching baseball, watching basketball. There wasn't a sport that I didn't know. Uh, I was on the two minute drill on ESPN. I tried out for that, was on one of the, the episodes nice. for just knowing a lot of sports trivia. So to me, sports was just part of what I knew was like a fabric of my life, you know, so growing up up north, you know, watching the Yankees, going to Nick games, um, going to giant games. It, yeah, it was a big part of who I was or who I am. I think what people don't understand is how good of a babysitter the television really was back <laughs> in the day. I mean, you couldn't get in trouble. Like, I don't know about you, but my TV had one to two channels tops. There was no way you were seeing something that's inappropriate or whatnot. Like you could get on your phone now. I mean, and if you're lucky, that channel would be clear. I mean, you might have to grab those antenna, those ears, kind of adjust them as you go. There is there's something to be said about that. And you I'll tell you, funny, I'll tell you a funny story about that, though. I'm at my grandparents' house, and they didn't have sports channel. And it was the Islanders playing the Capitals, and it was three overtime game. And they literally had, you know, when there's the snow on there, so you're trying to look at it. And I'm literally watching three overtimes of this game in the middle of snow on the TV, and I can barely watch it. It was totally worth it. But you still watch it, right? Watch. <laughs> Would that have been the LaFontaine? Was that that game? The big announcement? I, I don't know if it was that game. It was Kelly Rudy was in goal, and it could have been, but it was it was four three in overtime in three overtimes. It was intense. Kelly Rudy, former Medicine Hat Tiger, right where I am at right now as we speak. So a little bit of connection there. Very See, cool. I love how you mentioned volleyball because I played volleyball growing up too. One of those sports. I've watched volleyball today. The game is completely different. There's like no, there's no gimme points like there is now. I mean, it's all rally point now. Back when I was playing, there was no rally point. Those games could go for hours and hours and hours. So they got the rally point thing going. Just how that game has changed. I mean, now let's let's kind of transition here because we're having a lot of fun. But I want to know. I, I always love a good story. I always like to have a good heartfelt type story when it comes to the shows. I like to have a way to educate people. Um, I've seen the video, but for those who haven't kind of just kind of talk about how fantasy sports saved your life. 
Yeah, so uh, I, I used to suffer from polycystic kidney disease like my grandfather did and my mom does. And uh, I was heading down a dialysis road and losing all my kidney function. And um, I, I have no, I told you I have no brothers or sisters. So I needed a kidney. And I just, I went and I put it out there into the, uh, the Twitter universe and, you know, told my wife, I think this is what I'm going to do. And we took, we, we shot a video, we put it on Twitter and the first, I put it, I decided I'm going to put it on Sunday at like noon, figuring right before the football games, people would see it. Well, that was a, that wasn't such a great idea because when I went to bed that night, I think we had 400 views on the video and I looked at her and I said, I don't, I don't know, maybe I misjudged it. I don't know. And so, you know, we were talking whether she was going to donate a kidney, which she didn't want to do. Not that she wouldn't have, but we have two kids and we didn't want to risk it with the kids and we couldn't both not be there for our kids. So the next day comes and out of nowhere, literally all my friends in the fantasy industry, and I, I, I can name you a few, I can name you a bunch, uh, but, you know, from Jeff Manns to Bob Harris to Mike Clay to Ron Chandler to Brad Evans to all these people, put it out there, retweeted it. And by the middle of the day, we had close to 140,000 views. Wow. And by like four o'clock the next day, I literally had about a dozen people come to me and offer a kidney. And I just, there just no words that I have. There's just no words that I have to, to, right, and to how thankful I was really, truly thankful. So, um, what happened was I did it at uh, Jackson Memorial Hospital down in Miami. And so what happened, you, you send your information, you know, I'm not allowed to know about it, right? These people came to me and I said, look, here's the information you do with it, what you want to do. So, because you're not supposed to know. And then what happened was that one, one person, uh, I don't want to say his name. I don't know if that's the right thing, but he's a, he was a public safety officer. He was half my age from Michigan and he came forward and he had said to me, he goes, doc, I saw your video and I knew that this is just what I needed to do. And it turns out that outside of a blood relative that our blood matched as close as could be, wow. which is amazing. And he came down during COVID. This happened in May of 2020 was when I had my kidney transplant that he came down from Michigan in the middle of a pandemic and did this. I have no words other than hero. I mean, no words to describe what he did for me and my family. And so, um, that was that is true. The fantasy sports did save my life. I think that just really is a testament of what this community truly is. And those that aren't in the community, I don't think they quite understand what it means to be part of this. And it's very inclusive to everyone, whether you're an analyst, whether you're a fan, whatever that might be. I mean, it's always included. We've seen this at the expo. I joke about it. I've never been touched by as many dudes as I have when I went to the fantasy football expo. I mean, so much hugging going on, but that's true. You look at these charity leagues, Scott Fish puts these things together, all the money that gets raised for charity. And this is just another one of those amazing examples of the fantasy football community coming together for something there. So I, and we are all very thankful for this individual in Michigan to uh, be able to, uh, Get, help you come on this show if, if, if that's the right way to put it there. <laughs> no, it is. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you a funny story here. So my for years, I made no money in the fantasy industry. I mean, not a penny. And my parents used to give me grief. I can't believe you're doing this. You're an idiot. You know, I can't believe you're working for no money. But I, I always believed in what I was doing, right? It didn't matter. I loved what I was doing. And, you know, to my dad's credit, uh, after my surgery, he said to me, he goes, look, I'm, I was wrong. 
fantasy sports saved your life and I couldn't be any happier. So, um, I mean, obviously that, you know, I trusted in what I wanted to do. And like you said, Matt, great people in our industry. We really have just a very support, even though we may have all, all our own websites and we're all doing our own thing. We still know how to come together and we still support each other, right? I want your site to be successful. I want my site to be successful. I want us all, there's enough out there for us all to enjoy it. And I think that's the beautiful thing that we come together over sports, which brings people together. Wow, man, that's, I don't even know if we can go on with the show. It should have ended on that right there. That's a great story. Um, but talk to us about a decision that changed the trajectory of your life. And you can't say marriage, uh, birth of a child, and you can't say posting that video. <laughs> <laughs> Um, sure. I, I, here's a story for you. So um, when I was in college, I went to the College of William Mary and I was the um, student government president my senior year. And one of the members of the board of visitors was a lady named Janet Hill. Who's Janet Hill? She was Hillary Clinton's college roommate, but right. she's also Calvin Hill's wife and Grant Hill's mom. What? So you might have heard of him, them before, right? So she says to me, Doc, what are you doing? And she called me Doc back then. But uh, she said to me, what are you doing after graduation? And I said, I want to be working for your husband. And her husband was Calvin Hill, who was the assistant general manager of the Baltimore Orioles. And she gave, she pulls, opens up her pocketbook, gives me his card. I never called Calvin Hill. It is probably the biggest regret of my life. And I wonder what would have happened. Would I have been a general manager today? Would I have been working for the Orioles? Would I be doing something in some sport, sports capacity? So now I'm looking out, I'm looking in on sports in a different way as an analyst, you know, working at SiriusXM, doing my own site at drodo.com. But what would my life have been like had I made that call? Would I be actually part of an organization? So is it a regret? Well, I, I don't want to have regrets in life because I'm pretty happy now with what I do. But I do look back at that point major and say, what would have happened if I had called Calvin Hill? What, what stopped you from calling him? It was just like... Yeah. So the truth was there's, there's two elements of that. One, I knew I was going to go. I wanted to go to law school. Don't ask me why. I thought this was a brilliant idea. It wasn't. I, I practiced law for about two minutes and I, I left. <laughs> um, and the other thing was, I'm going to be honest, I didn't want a job where I was like sleeping on a floor or sleeping on a couch. I, you know, now I appreciate the grind. Back then, I guess I wanted it too easy. Right. Maybe if he was going to make me his assistant and I had an office, I'd be great. But to like you know, and that's why there's a guy in, the, in our industry, Pat Mayo. Pat Mayo literally slept on the floor and did all sorts of amount of work for a minimal amount of money, busted his butt. I have the most respect for Mayo because he earned everything he has. And back then, I didn't want to do that. Now, maybe I would have. So it's interesting that you say that. Like, I just didn't feel like that was where I wanted to be when I knew I could have gone on to law school to just do stuff like right. that. Right. Man, that's, a, that's an amazing story. <laughs> Well, you probably went to college there. I think it was Seton Hall or whatnot. You probably had plenty of sleeping on the floor in college. I mean, we, 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 we've all done our fair share there. But, hey, if you made that call, there is probably 0% chance you would have been the 2011 FSWA <laughs> Newcomer of the Year. I can almost guarantee that. So we've got the Newcomer of the Year back to 2011, kind of when that fantasy analyst, Dr. Roto kind of thing, took off. Now, what are some of the biggest changes – now compared to back then? Well, that's a great question. So I'll tell you real quick how that all began. Um, my good friend, Mike Cardano, um, had a son who played baseball 
and his son played baseball with Lou Mayon's son. And Lou Mayon was the owner of Roto Experts. So all of a sudden, Mike and I were doing blogs together and Lou ended up, we ended up all working for Lou and Roto Experts. So here I was close to 40 years old and I'm the newcomer of the year. Are you kidding me? I mean, like, come on, I'm an old guy already. So back then though, it was all articles. There was no podcasts. <laughs> so Roto Experts was on Sirius XM every morning from seven to 11. And I was on for a couple hours, you know, in the morning. I worked with Scott Engel and Adam Ronis, and we had a great staff. We had Mayo and Nando DeFino and Jake Seeley and all these terrific guys, but we were all writing. None of us were doing podcasts. None of us were doing videos until the very end. Toward the end of my time there at Roto Experts, we started to do more videos. Now, nobody writes anymore. Everybody's doing podcasts. Everybody's doing videos. So it's just become more of a multimedia industry that we're in. We're back in the old days. If you didn't know how to write, you couldn't be in it. Yeah. At what point did you decide that you wanted to make fantasy football more than just a hobby? Was it straight out? Of, was it right out of college? No, it's a great question. So originally I had a website. It was called Roto RX. Uh, and I was your, the, your prescription for fantasy success. And it didn't really take off. I was on a UPN newscast and, you know, I got a little in, in the industry. Nothing ever happened. So I put it away and I just played in leagues. And it wasn't until Mike called me up and he said, hey, buddy, you know, this is a funny story, by the way. And he said, hey, buddy, do you want to do a blog together? I said, well, yeah, I used to be Dr. You know, do Dr. Roto, where I used to give uh, fantasy advice for people. He goes, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. <laughs> right. 24 hours later, he calls me up. He goes, I thought about it. It's a genius idea. Let's do it. <laughs> right. It's and so hours for advice and I'd give them fantasy advice. And that's how it all began. So it was, um, you know, out of nowhere. You know, did I dream about being a fantasy football analyst or fantasy sports analyst? No, I used to compete in leagues and win them. I was playing fantasy sports and I didn't realize I could have a job in the industry doing it as well. So I, I got to know this for my own well-being. I know you said your wife, she's a doc roto herself. Where did your doc moniker come from? Like, we know you went to law school. We know you went to uh, William and Mary there. You mentioned that. Did you go into practicing? I know I've used, I've joked around being Doc every once in a while too because my initials are MD and it's kind of a fun thing to throw out there from time to time. But where did Doc, we know Roto came from, but where did right. Doc come from? Uh, so look, I, I mean, I used to have a personal training license, so I used to know the body and I used to be the injury expert for Roto experts, but I wasn't a doctor per se. You know, but what happened was it all started with Roto RX, right? So Roto, we all knew. And then I came up with RX, right? Your prescript, like I said, your prescription for fantasy success. And then it just became Dr. Roto. And then when we started, when Mike and I hooked up with Roto Experts, could you imagine Dr. Roto at Roto Experts? I mean, that was like <laughs> perfection right there. Could have worked out any better. And it just took off. And, you know, then, you know, everybody knows me as Doc and Dr. Roto. And, you know, now, you know, it's, it's great to be known in the industry because uh, I've been around it for a while. And uh, that's how uh, um, people know me. Did you ever think that injury analysis would take off the way it has today? I mean, now it's everywhere. And anywhere. like Stefania Bell absolutely kills it every single time. She, I, I mean, she's been on the show. We love her. And she nails it every time with ESPN. But there's so many injury analysts out there. I won't call them experts because it's an injury stuff. It's always uh, things can change and they kind of go, but back in 2011, I have to imagine you were probably one of the first ones who was breaking down injuries at that time. 
It was, it was me at uh, Roto Experts. It was Stefania. And it was a guy named Jeff Stotts who was at RotoWire. And we were doing the, the injury news. And so what happened was, and this you may find this funny, I didn't want to be pigeonholed into being the injury expert. I like talking about injuries and I was able to talk about injuries because of my personal training background, but I wanted to be more than that. I wanted to be a guy who could talk about all sports. So when I had the opportunity to host on SiriusXM, yes, I did talk about some injuries, but I really wanted to branch out into being a, an analyst. And you know, now every site has a football doctor. Uh, and it's funny that uh, I'm partnering on DrOrdo.com. We have a deal with Dr. David Chow and his Sports Injury Cent Central site. And, uh, you know, he's one of the more outstanding doctors in the industry and, you know, in terms of covering that. And I think we need that because we want the information and the doctors, when Dr. Chow says, I've seen the film, I've seen this before, I've worked on these injuries. There's no more credibility than that. Right. Same with Stefania, same with Jeff. So people really understand these injuries and it gives you an advantage in your leagues. I know Dr. Chow there, he goes back there with the uh, Chargers. I mean, he's got that medical history with the Chargers there. Now, obviously, you've been doing this XM radio. You got your website there. You've been doing probably hundreds of thousands of podcasts and interviews throughout your career, either guest appearing or people you've actually talked to. What were some of the more memorable interviews that you've been a part of? I can give you, I'll give you my worst interview, and I'll give you my best interview here we go my major worst, we're coming up <laughs> my worst interview was buster posey from the san francisco giants and i prepared for this interview i really went over it and every answer was yes sir no sir yes sir <laughs> no sir what am i gonna do with that buddy i can't work with you there come on throw me a bone help me out um one of the best interviews i had was with eddie george Eddie George is uh, got a great personality. He's a great guy. I'm a big Survivor fan. His wife was on the show, so I would talk to him about, you know, could you be on the show like like Taj, whatever. So that, of course, when you can connect, and you know, uh, this, I don't know if you know Lenny Melnick. Lenny is a legend in the baseball industry, and Lenny had this knack of before the the interview would start, he would bring up something that he could connect with with the person that we were interviewing, and when they did that. Those barriers dissipated yeah. immediately and it became, you know, so it was like with Eddie George, Hey, can you go on survivor? And now all of a sudden Eddie George and I are just having a conversation, which is a whole lot better than, you know, me asking a question, him giving an answer. And when you do that, it makes for a really great spot. Yeah, that's cool. Um, Matt does a really good job of that on this show. I got to give you your credit right there, Matt. Um, but doc, I need you to shoot straight on this one. If you were not, in the fantasy world, what will you be doing? Uh, teaching. I love working with kids. Uh, I, I tutor. Uh, I do college guidance. Uh, I've worked in the classroom for years. I've worked as a head of school. I've worked as a director of college guidance. Uh, I love working with high school age students. I like being somebody who can mentor them and help them guide them in the right direction. Uh, it's really one of my passions. I get to say, I'm not your rich friend. But I get I'm rich in that I work in the industries that I love doing things that I really enjoy making an impact. Right. Speaking of impact, you've talked about your children or uh, your love for tennis. I know your son's a tennis player as well. Who wins? You or your son? This is a kind of a two part question here. Who's better? You or your son right now? So my daughter played on the golf team. My son plays on the tennis team. My daughter has a much better golf swing than I do, except she's a crappy putter. 
So she can get down to the hole, to the hole in two, and then it probably she four putts. So I'm usually beating her. My son can beat the pants out me off me now in tennis. He's got a forehand that I can't even see half the time. He's really, <laughs> he's really good. Nice. That, that was the second part of the question. Who's the better golfer, you or your daughter? I got my research here. I mean, I, I, when I play golf, I make sure I get what I pay for. And I pay for the whole dang course. I'm going to use the whole dang course. That's from left to right. I'm using the, the whole dirt, thing. The water, everything, right? Everything. Everything. It's it's all up for grabs. So I, I love golf Florida, as I get I, older. As I get older, I love golf. I love it. It's just one of those things you're outside, you're with nature. It's most of the time relaxing. And I don't even use a driver. I don't. I'm one of those few guys who don't. I don't use a driver because if I do, it goes this way or that way. But if I use a three iron, it usually goes straight. So I don't hit it far, but I hit it straight. And I can live with that. See, and I love the big swing. But except I might have to change my golf game if I come down to floor because I don't do gators. I ain't going anywhere near <laughs> the water when I go down there for that kind of golf. That ain't happening. That ain't about me. I ain't about that life. No, put it that way. <laughs> this is wrong. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's late. I'm still. I'm like a coffee, coffee member. Like, <laughs> no, if there's water, there could be a gator in Florida. That's no joke. No, that's so, true. That is, right. No, that's really true. I, I seen what they did to Chubb. I ain't going down like Chubb did. There's no way that's happening. Um, so the next question is, I mean, we know what this community is all about, and we know what fantasy sports is all about, but. What has fantasy sports taught you about yourself? I think fantasy sports has this great way of helping you connect with others. Um, even like trade negotiations. Who are you as a person? Are you the type that's going to rip somebody off? Are you going to make a fair deal? Um, or will you do anything it takes to win? Uh, are you able to win with class? Are you able to lose with class? I mean, have you threatened to quit leagues because you didn't like the rules or whatever that is? Right. Uh, I think it just shows who you are as a person. Um, look, if I lose a league, I lose a league. I don't want to lose a league, but I mean, you know, I, I deal with it and I figure out how to come back better next year. I, I try to be smarter next year than I was this year. Uh, so I think it just helps you in so many ways. I love that fantasy sports, especially DFS. I love setting lineups in DFS. I love drafting in fantasy sports. I like using my brain in that way. Roster construction, you know, dare I say, excites me, right? I love being able to put a team together and looking back going, I really did a great job there, right? Taking my quarterback in round 11 because I waited allowed me to get some good running backs and good receivers. So I, I try. I think that it's just – it's adds patience, you know, so you're not so impulsive, being patient, being thorough, being smart, and knowing how to just have fun. Yeah. I, um, I, I couldn't agree with that anymore. I mean, that's that's what it's all about, really. Yeah, and you, you spoke earlier a little bit about um, some of the relationships in, in fantasy that, that you made, um, but name some of the people who helped you along the way in your career. Um. So I'm going to do both parts of their major. I have made so many great friends in this industry, so many great friends in this industry. And I am very lucky and that I have, they're, they're not just fantasy friends, they're real life friends, right? They've turned over into friends that I call to this day, talk to, you know, not just on Twitter in real life. So let's see, influences. I'll start with Mike Cardano. I got in this industry with Mike uh, from day one. I'm going to have to say Lou Mayon, who gave me my first opportunity at Roto Experts. Scott Engel and Adam Ronis, who I worked with on the radio, along with Corey Parson. Uh, those three were integral into my radio days. Matt Deutsch and Steve Cohen, 
and Rob Tuesday for giving me the opportunity on SiriusXM to do what I love to do. Um, Scott Atkins, Ian Ritchie, Joel Cox, uh, when I left Roto Experts, I went to Scout Fantasy. And that was, you know, somebody paid me money to because they believed in what I did. And, you know, now basically everybody who I work with at, you know, drroto.com, all my friends there from the people uh, from my NASCAR guys to my football guys to everybody who believed in our vision of trying to produce great content and make a community. And, you know, I can name them all, but I, I, I mean, I could, but it's just everybody who believed in me to do that with me meant, meant a, a whole lot. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and this is like my favorite question. We, we, we do this every week. Um, what's some, some good advice for those of us trying to make it in industry? Believe in yourself, do your homework, be prepared. You're going to have an opportunity. So Mike said this to me, he goes, doc, I'll get you on serious. But what you do there when you get there is up to you. Mm. And I'll say that to everybody. You know, you'll have your opportunity. What are you going to do with that opportunity once you get it? What are you going to make of it? Put your time in, put your dues in. Nothing comes easy. I didn't make a dollar for five years in this industry, not one dollar, right? But it was the grind, guys, right? You know about the grind. So it was about the grind because I loved what I was doing and I believed in what I was doing and I believed in myself. So believe in yourself. And here's another thing that I think is critical. Believing in yourself is not just in your abilities, but also in your picks, stand by your convictions. Just because somebody else says that they like Nick Chubb and you don't, so maybe you don't like Nick Chubb. That's up to you. That's okay. You dare to be wrong. I'm, I always say I'm a visionary. Why? Because I see things before they happen. I may be right. I may be wrong, but I stand by what I say. And for the most part, I've been very fortunate that I'm more right than not. I've had a lot of victories and I feel pretty good about that. But I believe in what I stand for. I believe in the players. I believe in my analysis. And I think that's critical in this industry. you got to go all in because if you don't, somebody else will. Great advice. And hey, you know what? It's okay if you don't like Chubb or Chubbs or whatever you want to call him because the Gator down in Florida, he didn't like Chubbs either because he got his hand, okay? Exactly. So, hey, it's okay if you're not convicted, if you're not believing in Nick Chubb. But what you should believe in is the doc himself, Dr. Roto. Head over to Dr. Roto dot, or Dr. Yeah, Dr. Roto, dr.roto.com and get your one-stop shop there for all your fantasy needs. We're talking football, baseball, golf, hockey. I've seen hockey on there. That's something you don't see on a lot of fantasy sports. Hockey, that's where I'm at up here in the great north. We love ourselves some hockey, so you know I'd be checking that kind of stuff out. <laughs> I mean, when you've been around participating in fantasy football since like 1990, uh, newcomer back in 2011 you've learned a thing or two you've got a few little prescriptions on that notepad that you're willing to hand out and we're glad you're able to come on the show here today and hand a few more out now what do you got coming up here in the next little what we know the combine's coming up so you know we'll have some rookie talk over at dr roto what else you got coming down yeah so we're really working on the draft we're working on i just literally wrote a dynasty article just before i came on with you guys going to be talking about best ball and dynasty. And, you know, we're, what we're also going to do is we're building out communities by division, right? We want people talking. You like the AFC West? 
We've got an ASC West, you know, page on our site so you can hash it out. We've got a Discord channel for it. I think people love the community. They love talking about their teams. They love talking, you know, who's the better quarterback, Dak Prescott or Jalen Hurts, right? Who's, uh, you know, that's a, that's a conversation that people like to have. We want to be part of that conversation. We want, we love the passion. We love people who love their teams. And so we're really pushing that forward. Also, we're doing our MLB draft guide, Lou Landers, and my team is doing an amazing job with our draft guide. There will be baseball. It just may take a little while, but hopefully they'll come to their senses and sign a deal. <laughs> well, for Dr. Roto, for Major Caldwell, that's at way too major FF. Hey, I'm Matt Dolly. This has been the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast, episode 117, Behind the Grind with Dr. Roto himself. Keep this conversation going. Hit every one of us up on Twitter. Hey, we're here to talk. We're here to get this conversation going. Just because it's the offseason doesn't mean it's no season here when it comes to fantasy. There's plenty <laughs> to talk about, and we are here all season long. So head over to DynastyVipers.com. Head over to DrRoto.com, and head over to FantasyPoints.com. Enter that promo code VIPERS22 and get 10% off that subscription. Another great website, another one-stop shop for all your fantasy football needs. And, hey, we're back here each and every week. Hit us up on any kind of podcasting platform. You name it, Spot, uh, Spotify, Apple, Anchor, uh, Stitcher, oh, MySpace. We might even have something on MySpace. I don't know, but I'm sure we got <laughs> something there. I, I think I still have my profile from 2001 back on MySpace. Still, so you can check that out. That's probably still up. And, of course, hit the YouTube up. Smash that like button. It's like right down. See where the dock is? It's right down there somewhere. Hit that like button. <laughs> hit that subscribe button. And we'll see you next week. Take care now. <laughs>